Welcome to Heavy Hitter Sports. I'm your host, Mark Hogesang. As that clip suggests, today's focus is on one of the greatest sports rock and roll songs of all time, John Fogarty's Center Field. This seems fitting as the baseball pennant races are heating up and the fall classic is fast approaching. If you're a baseball fan, you know that Center Field has been the unofficial anthem of the sport since it was released in 1985. No song captures the spirit of the game better. Center Field is consistently played in stadiums throughout the land, and since 2010, the song has been played literally nonstop in the Baseball Hall of Fame, as Center Field is the only song officially recognized in Cooperstown. My podcast is focused on stories of resilience in sports, and having just finished Fogarty's memoir, Fortunate Son, I can attest that John had to overcome numerous obstacles to become one of the greatest rockers ever. Those hurdles included a bitter and largely absent father, an early divorce, being fleeced by his manager, and a spiteful split with his CCR bandmates, including his brother Tom. As we know, many athletes aspire to be rock or rap stars and vice versa. And as a sports podcaster, there's also a part of me that wants to produce a show like Song Exploder, breaking down notable tracks. So here goes. As John himself has said, Centerfield is a song about renewal, rebirth, and starting over fresh. As the first verse begins... a perfect song for opening day in baseball when anything and everything is possible. So why center field? I grew up with Creedence and have been a fan of Fogarty's for years, and there are three things that I enjoy most in life, that being apple pie, baseball, and rock and roll, as my family and friends can attest. The fact that I played center field in high school and college may also factor into the mix. Like me, John is from the Bay Area. He was born in Berkeley and raised in Emeryville, a working-class enclave in the shadow of the Cal campus and across the Bay from San Francisco. John would later become a Giants fan, as I have been since the age of seven. But John was born in 1945, and the Giants didn't relocate from New York until 1958. So at an early age, John and his older brother Tom adopted their dad's favorite team, the Yankees. John revered the San Francisco prodigal son, Joe DiMaggio, who roamed center field for the Bronx Bombers during John's formative baseball years. Not surprisingly, Jolt and Joe would become the muse for the song Center Field. But I'm getting ahead of myself. John's life in Emeryville was not easy. His family had little money and even less in tranquility. So John turned to rock as his refuge. At the age of 14, he and his brothers started their first band, the Blue Velvets. The group evolved into the Gollywogs, so named by their producer, Fantasy Records. After high school, playing gigs along the West Coast, and signing his first record deal in 1964, John was drafted into the Army in 1966. He didn't see battle, though, and was honorably discharged from the reserves in 1968, just as the Vietnam War was heating up. John could now focus full-time on music. In May 1968, CCR hit the airwaves full force with the release of Suzy Q. After receiving his honorable discharge papers, John was inspired to write his iconic Proud Mary, Amazingly, he penned those lyrics in 20 minutes, and this song launched the band onto the biggest of all stages. CCR would go on to dominate rock from 68 to 72. The band released seven albums during this four-year span, registering nine top ten hits, with John writing such other notable songs as Born on the Bayou, Bad Moon Rising, Down on the Corner, Fortunate Son, and Who Will Stop the Rain?, classics that would serve as the soundtrack for my youth. During their heyday, the band was only surpassed in popularity by the Beatles. 
In fact, CCR was the headliner for Woodstock in August of 69. You likely don't know that, though, since John refused to allow the band to be recorded for the Woodstock documentary and triple album, since he was so displeased with the band's performance and reception. Like the Liverpool lads, though, CCR was racked by internal dissension and split after their ascent to the top of the rock world. Yes, the group was famous, but none of the bandmates would become wealthy. Like many bands, CCR signed a horrible deal with their label Fantasy Records, and John would be haunted by his dislike for Fantasy Records CEO, Saul Zantz, throughout much of his life. In 1973, John would venture out onto his own, but his first two albums were woefully unsuccessful, so he hung up the guitar and didn't start writing or playing again until 1990 at the age of 40. Centerfield would serve as John's solo album comeback after his 10-year hiatus. John selected the Centerfield album name before a single lyric line in the song was penned, and John would produce, write all lyrics, and play every instrument in every song on the album. Yes, he separately recorded the bass, drums, and guitar. Doing it all on the album was like playing all nine positions in a baseball game. Yes, it's possible, but almost never done because of the extreme difficulty. Despite the title of the album, Centerfield was never released as a single. It was the B-side to Rock and Roll Girls, and Old Man Down the Road was the most popular song initially. It didn't take long for John to write Centerfield, as the lyrics came from his heart, given his love for the game. As John said when he and his song were recognized by the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York in 2010, the song was a way of saying thanks to baseball for all the joy and inspiration it provided me. John mentions three of the greatest center fielders in baseball history, Say Hey Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, and his Joe DiMaggio. But he also revered Jackie Robinson, who was the brown-eyed handsome man referenced in the opening verse. This is also title of a Chuck Berry song. John himself was not a great athlete. He could run fast, but he was a weak hitter. However, in third grade, John ended an essay on what he would do as president by saying that he would throw out the first ball in the World Series and pitch the first three innings. This July, John himself spoke about his love of baseball and center field on Rob Lowe's podcast, Literally. You know, when I got a car, right, I think I had just turned 17. First thing I did is I took my youngest brother, Bob, to a day game at Candlestick Park. I mean, I could, you know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm changing gears here for a sec, but yeah. we, I mean, I, that's what I wanted to do. And we got to the game and we were in the bleachers and Willie Mays is in center field. And we hollered at Willie through the whole game and Willie, Willie, and we're jumping up. I mean, it was a day game that wasn't full or sold out. So you could hear us. I'm sure you could even hear us on the radio probably. And Willie's in, standing there in center field, and you know, Willie, 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 come on! And, you know, all first inning, second inning, third inning. He just kind of, we got to talking to each other, my brother Bob and I. Bob, see, I was seventeen, so he's about eleven or twelve, uh, and we're going, man, look how Willie conserves his energy. Yeah, how does he keep like walking? I mean, we finally figured out. He said, he's so smooth. He's he doesn't do anything unless he really needs to. Like when somebody hits a ball and goes running after it, yeah. cap falls off. Other than that, he just 
very low key. He's saving his energy. How old is that guy? We started working on He was 32. <laughs> we had him in a wheelchair, man. I mean, you know. Who'd have thought, by the way, just as an aside, that that's, you would be writing about that moment, you know, about the Say Hey Kid in center field in the album center field with, with that song. I mean, that's the moment you just described. Yeah, probably why it was so special. Uh, and finally, about the seventh inning, he turns around, takes his cap off like that and, and kind of motioned to us. And me and Bob were yeah, jumping up. Yeah, Willie, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was so cool. Centerfield album was recorded in a studio in Sausalito and would only cost $35,000 to make, but the record proved amazingly successful. It went double platinum, reached number one on the Billboard Top 200, and reignited John's career. In the song, John speaks of the great baseball poem, Casey at the Bat. But there's also a few camouflage nods to baseball war, such as Don't Say It Ain't So, which is a reference to the mournful cry from a young White Sox fan when he learns that his idol, Shoeless Joe Jackson, has been banned from baseball after he and other teammates are caught throwing games in the 1919 World Series. This became known as the Black Sox scandal. The end of the third verse, though, is what really gets me. Tell It Goodbye is a tribute to the home run call from Juan Simmons, the longtime announcer for both the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants. John would play the song live with his baseball back guitar called Slugger at the Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony during the summer of 2010. During the event, John and his entire family were greeted by, yes, his favorite giant and mine, Willie Mays. This full circle moment would serve as one of the highlights of Fogarty's career, along with playing the song in center field at Yankee Stadium the year prior. Of course, being inducted into both the Rock and Roll and Songwriters Hall of Fames, not too shabby either. With that, I leave you with center field in its entirety. Thanks for listening.